0: Welcome to our Tignum Thoughtcast, where we get together with some of our experts or clients and we dig a little deeper into one of the Tignum thoughts. I'm here today with Dr. Greg Perdome, who is a performance psychologist, a Division I men's and women's tennis coach, so two jobs at the same time, multiple coach of the year, former pro tennis player, entrepreneur. But the part I love the best about it is his sustainability, the second longest tenured coach at Grand Canyon University, but also a father of three, a husband. And so, Greg, the reason I love talking to you about reframing is because you're one of the few people that not only has to apply it on the tennis court or in the real world, but had to apply it to yourself as you were going through and juggling all these things. And how did you use reframing when you were so overloaded?
1: Well, first, thanks for the very kind words and the introduction. I appreciate that. I can say the same for you. Um, Reframing—it's—I I don't know if I go many minutes in the day where I don't use reframing, just in in general life. Let alone if I'm taking on extra challenges. But yeah, absolutely. I, I think a very hot topic over the last uh, you know decade, with so many new mindfulness, relaxation techniques, yogi to try to you know escape and reduce and minimize stress and anxiety and pressures. I think inadvertently that has sometimes made those things to be the bad guy, to be something to avoid. But real easy and quick reframe that I use regarding um, pressure and stress is that it's healthy. It's the same thing that we do to our muscles. Uh, We apply stress and pressure to make them grow. And to uh, our cardiovascular system, um, we apply pressure and stress. So you know, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, when I have a very full schedule, that's a quick and easy reframe to put stress and pressure and anxiousness into a positive light. And then I can feel physiological changes in my body quickly. And then that leads to uh, emotions and actions that follow.
0: Yeah, you, you hit several really interesting things there, even talking about how this reframing impacts your physical being, you know, and your emotional state. And one of the things I always loved when you are coaching tennis is this concept of a good mistake. And I don't think many people in life think of mistakes as good. Tell me how you reframe mistakes to make it a good mistake.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. Well, quite simply, there's a lot of thought leaders uh, in the world today that say that's the single best way to grow is through most mistakes. If a player is, you know, very ego oriented or let's say outcome oriented it's difficult for that person. So that's where the reframing process is to start to help them. But it's difficult for them to see a mistake in a positive light. They see mistakes as punishable, unacceptable. But if you are into the process, if you're motivated by just personal growth and the task, then it's easier to reframe a mistake into a learning opportunity and into growth.
0: Yeah, so if I hear you right, I mean there is some value to just being vulnerable enough to take the risk to go for that shot, and that in itself also serves the purpose, right, of building the mindset.
1: 100%. Yeah, 100%. I mean, re- reframing, I mean, I see that I I see it so powerful that it it can be an actual band-aid to help a symptom, but I also feel like it actually can really help at the core of your beliefs when you become an expert at reframing and in that it prevents symptoms from happening moving forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, at Tignum, we're always trying to get our clients to realize that some of these mindset skills are not just Pollyanna for just the sake of doing it. You know, just look at the bright side, but that they're actually much deeper. And I remember you and I sitting and talking about your perspective towards competition. And that fascinated me so much because it was like the ultimate reframe that – here two people are engaged in this deep competition, but you help them look at it with a totally different perspective. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, that was a fun conversation we had, I think, over a nice cup of coffee. Many people see, and I I think the best example is the political climate. I don't think I've seen a more severe case of seeing competition as war, where you just demonize the opponent and you see. Uh, this person as standing or these people or this idea as standing in between you and your goal. But instead, the 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 reframe there would be that your competition is is a partnership in that if you weren't faced with the myriad of different competitors and opponents and challenges, it could be a person an organization, or it can just be just a challenge or obstacle in life, that it's in fact your partner, the competition is a partnership, and, and that's exposure to whatever it is that maybe you need work at. Maybe you want to improve at playing a particular type of a, an opponent, in the example that you were just talking about uh, in tennis. One of the opponents that people most dread playing, they call them pushers, uh, lobbers, people that don't use a lot of uh, pace. But you know in reality, they're very consistent, steady and usually uh, have a lot of endurance type players. So when people see that on the other side of the net, they definitely see it uh, as the enemy. They see it as war. They would rather do without. But if they got what they wished for, they would never learn how to deal with that situation. So the person on the other side of the net that's poking holes in your weaknesses is actually building your strengths in real time. So yeah, that's a great way to reframe uh, competition.
0: Yeah, it's funny. We're seeing this even more in business, you know, where you have in some ways competing business units within the same company and they're competing for budget. Mm. And in the old way of thinking, Hey, I get as much budget as I can get. You take care of yourself. We're at war over us, uh, you know, a fixed amount of money. But in today's world where collaboration and where you have to be thinking of the greater good that actually seeing this competition as partnership, we're all out to make, to do the best thing for our clients, for our customers, for our company, then it looks totally different. And so I think that's it's not only really good for business, but tell me a little bit about the impact that it has on your health.
1: Well, um, not managing stress properly. We talked about the, the health uh, and the benefits of uh, feeling anxiety and pressure and stress. And there's certainly a good stress and a bad stress and too much. There's been studies that show that not managing or letting stress accumulate is like smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. The hypertension issues that lead to all types of other illnesses can build up. And if you see every obstacle, every opponent, every competing organization as an enemy, that you have to work yourself into uh, an emotional fight or flight uh, response, then you're, you're operating on overload. And it's just a matter of time before it catches up to you.
0: When you're talking about reframing, how does that impact the team? Like, I know one of the things you're really big on is positive physical response, almost reframing your body language in response to something that happened. How does that impact not just you, but those around you?
1: Oh, geez. Uh, Yeah, immensely. (laughs) That's the answer. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, one of the questions that I give to my athletes and other people, non-athletes that I work with, as a tool to give themselves uh, self checks throughout the day is what I'm thinking and or is my body language helping me and those around me at this moment or hurting me or those around me at this moment is my body language is my self talk is it damaging or is it productive. So by having that tool having that question then. With Through repetition, it just becomes part of your daily routine because, yes, your family, your spouse, your children, your co-workers, your co-coaches, uh, your followers, they will be responding off of your body language seeing how uh, social scientists have declared, suggested that um, 90% of communication is non-contextual, non, non-verbal, non-words, but instead it's everything else besides body language being one of them. So teaching somebody to control their body language and have a, a good professional demeanor in response to any outcome in, in a sporting event, a successful play or an unsuccessful play, teaching them to have the same response is just like you said, it's a powerful reframing instrument that at the same time, it's having a positive influence on the individual as well as those around them.
0: Yeah, that's super important. I mean, I could see that people may think that doing that is not being authentic because you're almost like telling me to stuff my emotions or stuff what I'm feeling. But if what you're actually saying is it's a choice, I can choose how I want to behave. And one choice leads to more success for me and those around me. And the other choice is more destructive to me and those around me. Is that, is that right?
1: hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I would not really have the authenticity be too closely related to emoting or having a negative response to a situation. And so, you know, I have had athletes, in fact, who are trying to defend their uh, lack of emotional control, defend They're having to, like you said, suppress their emotions. But the reality of it is, if they think that that should be allowed or won't hurt high performance or peak performance, then they're just, they're cognitively distorted and uh, we have to help them reframe that whole entire situation.
0: Yeah. And in the beginning of our um, talk today, you said how much you practice and, and personally practice using reframing. But I want to flip it another way and just ask you this, because you get some very talented players. And, you know, so some people could argue, well, how important is mindset really when you already have all this talent? And we see that in business too. People hire really talented people from top universities, whatever, great experience. But when it comes to performance, when it comes to impact, what would you say the importance of mindset actually
1: is? Well, I feel like it becomes more important the greater the skill gets. And and for one very simple reason is because your peers are also becoming higher skilled. So for in sports, for example, if you're in a recreational level or if you're in introduction to competition, uh, there's gonna be a lot of physical and tactical and technical weaknesses in the opponents. So the, the mental skills at that point are a little less related to uh, the competition itself, but perhaps more internally related to their joy of the game, their confidence or frustration levels when it comes to acquiring skills. But once you start moving up the chain of level of competition, yeah, very true. I might be recruiting very talented athletes, but who we're competing against are also very talented athletes So when, when businessmen and women, when entrepreneurs, when executives are are moving up into higher echelons of competition because they've earned it themselves through their own competence, well, that's who's on the other side of the literal and figurative net is, is another organization that's very competent. So then the mental skills are the difference makers.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. In fact, I sometimes say that in business, we're where sports were 30 years ago, right? We're just doing gross Mm. things like getting a little more wellness or health would improve performance. But now that the competition is getting tougher and tougher, the world is getting more and more chaotic. Actually, the importance of your mindset is more important than ever because it is the differentiator both at work and at home.
1: Yes, uh, for our Division One sports program, for example, you know our team culture—that's a mindset. Those are mental skills that that trumps our tactics. Everybody's going to have good tactics that we match up against. So when we're working together with synergy and, and, and with good cohesion, because our culture is is strong, that that is going to propel us to where we want to be much more so than the. The basic skills and fundamentals that everybody has at that point in time. And reframing being one of those high things on the list that we need each individual. We want to reframe as a team, as an organization. Some people call it pivoting, changing the channel. But of course, each individual needs to be able to own it themselves as well.
0: Yeah, that's very well put. And so I'm going to thank you, Greg, for joining us. Great conversation. Again, you're my role model in using reframing, and I appreciate you taking the time to share your thinking with our clients.
1: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.